Uh, I've got a couple of numbers up on the screen there, and I'd like for you to tell me why they're significant. What do you think they represent? Any, uh, any takers here? Sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, that would be really nice. Yeah. Into the future. Yes. Micah Credo's attempts at announcements. Micah attempts at announcements. That's, that's very gracious, Mike. Very nice. Maybe how thirsty I am in this particular moment. Yes, yeah. Thank you. And Taylor's on duty. I appreciate you. No, those are all wrong. Any, and one more stab at it. Okay, well, you know, don't worry. Next slide. There we go. They are actually the number of days that my family members have been out of the womb uh, uh, <laughs> since, uh, you know, so, <laughs> I guess, I don't, I don't think that went through because now <laughs> out of my wife's womb, but no, no, my, my wife and I out of our parents' womb. Anyway, these are the amount of days... I can't say womb. What else do you want me to say? I think womb is a good term. And of course, you know, we actually have been out. We actually have been alive for longer than that. I'm saying out of the womb because, you know, we were sort of roughly alive for about 270 days prior to exiting the womb. That's a pro-life statement if you don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what those numbers represent. And that's really, you know, the title of the sermon. Today's sermon is um, yes, no, and uh, your numbered days, because you just saw the day, our numbered days up until January 8th up on the screen. Now listen, if I get to travel around the sun roughly 70 times, so you know, I'm currently 44, that's the, the number of days uh, represented on the screen there. But if I, if, I, if I live to 70 years, then my number would actually be roughly 25,500 and 68 days. I think it's up on that, that, that next slide. And that actually, that means that I've already hit the halfway mark if, if 70 is my final number, years, or if 25-odd thousand days is my final number. My dad is not even 70 years old. So 64%. Of that predicted journey, I've already covered if my predictions are correct. All right, that's if, if 70 is in fact what I'll reach. I can be more optimistic than that. Okay, I can go, hey, you know, I run a, I run a little bit, you know, so maybe, maybe I've got a, a good shot at like, you know, going past 70. Let's, let's be generous, maybe 80, 85 years old, I don't know. But actually, if that's the case, then my current state would put me roughly around the halfway mark. But it really means for me that there is still less years ahead of me than there is behind me. So it's, it's, it gives you a bit of perspective if you start to sort of break your life up into days and kind of look at the averages of you know, the lifespan around you and then see where you sit in the grand scheme of things. Because here's the thing. I showed you my numbers. I showed you my children's numbers. But we all have a number. We all have a number. Consider what the Bible says. Psalm 139, verse 16. It should be up on the screen. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, this is now speaking about God's eyes and in God's book. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. 
when as yet there was none of them. I love how Job says it. In chapter 14, verses 1 to 2, he says, A man who is born of a woman, maybe I should have said that, not womb, I don't know. A man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Verse 2, he comes out like a flower and withers. I think that was our call to worship. You, you read it from Isaiah 40. He flees like a shadow and continues not. But then Job actually makes it very plain a few verses later. In verse 5, chapter 14 of Job, he says, Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. There it is, friends. We all have a number, actually. All of, we, we currently have a number that, that reflects where we are right now. But there is, a, there is a limit, an appointed limit, that the Lord has determined. The problem is, we just don't know the number, really. None of us. We just don't know the number. And if we did know the number, it would actually mess us up. It would mess with our brains. It would, mess with, it would, just, it would really freak us out. If we had the privilege of knowing that number. You just see how people rearrange their lives when actually they get given some kind of a prognosis. In terms of their number days or the amount of numbers there. You just see how it changes the way they live, the way they think, etc. etc. I, I just look at the number days that are in my house. Liam is about to finish school. He's about six months or so, if all goes well. He's about six months or so away from it. And, you know, I can just see how that kind of end, that sort of numbered school day, day in my house, how it freaks us out as, as, as parents. My goodness, we want to cram in sort of last-minute parenting, you know, throw life skill tips at him, you know, trying to have multiple family holidays just with Liam with us. The fact is what's done is done for the most part. You know, it's, it's ahead of us. And unfortunately, unlike, unlike Liam's season in my house, you know, where I know six months from now, you know, he will be finished with school and he'll make some changes in his life. Our lives, unfortunately, do not come with that kind of a gauge or a meter. Just, we just don't have the, the luxury of a battery level indicator, you know, where we can quickly go, oh, I've got 6% left, you know, let's, let's run around and find a, a socket somewhere. We just don't have that. And if we did... What would we do differently? How would we live differently? You know, the claims of Christianity is that you and I were created by and for someone. That's, that's what Christianity teaches. And God has ownership rights on you and a specific intent for your life. For your life that has a limit, this side of eternity. Consider Ephesians 2, chapter 10. It'll be up on the screen. We, it says, for we are God's workmanship. In other words, he created us. But for Christians, it's one step further. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So maybe this is an oversimplification, but... It's kind of the title of the sermon. It's sort of the big idea I want to leave with you on our first Sunday of the year. Our lives are either a yes to that verse in Ephesians, or it's a no to that. Or it's a maybe. 
which I think is just no until further notice. <laughs> yeah, if, you say, if you say, yeah, maybe I'll live out what God has you know, prepared and advanced me to do, you're basically saying no until I change my mind. It's still a no. So in, in, in the most simple form, it's either yes or no to that. So I want you to read with me just this parable Jesus told about two sons. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, verses 28 to 32 is what we'll read together. It will uh, be up on the screen. So uh, read along with me if you can. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Who's the you? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, the the, 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 the religious leaders of the day. He says, verse 32, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Two things I want to bring out. The first question is whether you would say yes to Jesus. And the second one is, Will you say yes to working in his vineyard? Because if we have numbered days and some of them is no, the, the, the goal as a believer is that we say yes every time. But it starts for many of us just one step further. First of all, just saying yes to Jesus before we saying yes to the gig in the vineyard. So number one, yes to Jesus, which is that Ephesians uh, verse says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ. Okay, so that is what a Christian can claim. Everyone's created, but when you become a Christian, you are born again. The Bible says you are a new creation. And you recognize that you are God's workmanship, both in that he created you and that he recreated you when you put your faith in Jesus. He took that heart of stone out. He put a heart of flesh in. He poured his spirit inside of you. And actually, you don't necessarily live for Jesus, but Jesus lives through you by his spirit. He animates us. He, he, he gives us instructions, and we can say yes or no. And there are so many so-called self-made men and women in our day, especially in the West, you know, all the way from success and career, people making choices, investments they make, self-made in that sense, all the way to, you know, the latest sort of identity redefinitions that we see in our day. Self-made identities, we, we see all of that. And I believe that in itself is a rejection of both the deity of God that he created you and the design of God, how he wants you to live. So that's all around us. That's the air that we breathe. That's the culture we're in. That's the, the soup that we swim in. Self-made people. But Christ followers say, no, I am made by him. He has creative rights on me. I'm made by him and I'm made for him. There is an intent, how he wants me to live, what he wants me to do. And if you're here today, maybe you're listening online and you are intrigued by this yes to Jesus thing and this fact that actually God has claims on your life, I want to invite you to Alpha. Alpha is the very place where if you have questions about that, you sign up for Alpha. You join us over a bunch of meals. We can talk this one out. We'd love to 
unpack that for you. Because this isn't a mere verbal agreement. Actually, as we read here in this parable, it's backed up by behavior. Because we know one person who said yes, in fact, acted no. And the ones who said no ended up acting out a yes. Okay, so it's not just a verbal agreement. This is not just lip service. And you know, the context of that Matthew 21 uh, passage we read, um, just a few verses before that, they challenged Jesus on his authority. Like, hey, how can you say these things? Who are you? Where are you from? Like, why, why can you say all this stuff? And he, they demanded, he, he, tell them, uh, he tells them where his authority comes from. And Jesus was very clever. He said, okay, I'll only tell you if you tell me where John the baptizer's authority comes from. And so they actually kept quiet because they knew that if they you know, said that he, uh, he was a mere man, you know, he didn't have the authority to do, then people would be upset because they all recognized that he was a, a prophet anyway. And so they kept quiet and Jesus said, well, then I'm not going to tell you where my authority comes from. Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, there probably is a better place to put it, but let me try out one more time. Okay. So that's the context. Now. <laughs> okay, I think it's fine. No, it's not. Okay, let's see if I can be static. This is going to suck. No, it's not going to work. All right, thank you for your continued giving because we shall replace this microphone. <laughs> Try this one. There you go. All right. So where was I? Um, context is John the baptizer. And then when Jesus told the story, he, um, he talked about the prostitutes and the tax collectors who heard John the baptizer preach and then responded in faith. They believed his message. And he said, hey, Jesus is coming. That's what he said. Get, get, your, you know, get ready to receive the Messiah. And uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they, they uh, also heard the message because John the baptizer preached to the same you know, crowd, both the, the, the peasants and the, the Pharisees, you know, um, everybody. And the irony is the prostitutes and the tax collectors, were, they were the ultimate no crowd, right? They... they they kind of, they lived it out. They were like, no, we'll do our own thing, thank you. We will not serve the Lord. We will do our own thing. So they're the ultimate, I will not crowd. And amazing, they ended up obeying. They ended up changing. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were the classic, I will go crowd. You know, say the right things. But in the end, they didn't believe John. And therefore, they didn't believe Jesus. Because John came to prepare the way for Jesus. And I, I love in that parable, how the grace of God to allow for mind changing, for our minds to change is all over that. The prostitutes and the tax collectors, they heard John's preaching and they changed. But the Pharisees, they saw the change in these unlikely people, but they themselves didn't change. They remained unchanged. And, and this parable tells us that you are allowed to change your mind. And so maybe, yeah, maybe you're even here, maybe you're even listening today online and you may have said no to God and you might think oh I blew my chance but actually it tells us here that even on your last numbers numbered day 
or, or even though you've said no, you can still live yes. You can still say yes, ultimately. I mean, the first prize is you say both yes and you do it. But you could say no and actually change your mind and act yes and undo the no you may have said and respond in obedience. The grace of God is actually in this because it says the Pharisees and the tax collectors, even after they saw the change, sorry, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, even after they saw the change, it says they did not change their mind. In other words, there was an opportunity for them to change their minds. And so that's the grace of God. You can say yes to Jesus even on your last number. Think of the thief on the cross hanging there. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. A few chapters before in Matthew 21, there's a parable of more workers in the vineyard. And the people who joined the last hour of working got the same reward as the people who worked the whole day. It's a story of salvation, that the grace of God, even at the end of your life, when you say yes to the Lord, you're in. It's Because it's not actually tied to what you do. Let me read you the two verses before the Ephesians passage we read earlier. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says this. Um, I'll read it over here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So although Jesus invites his followers to work in his vineyard, it is not so that you would be saved and loved and accepted by him. You, when you say yes to Jesus, you are just in faith receiving his grace. Grace is you getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is you not getting what you do deserve. Okay? You don't do a thing other than believe him. Say yes to Jesus. And you are his workmanship. You're in Christ. And then you have the opportunity to live out the, the subsequent yeses of working with him and alongside him in his vineyard. So I want to make that clear. If you're not a Christian here today, it starts off with a yes to Jesus. But then as a follower of Jesus, the, before many of us here today, it's this challenge to say yes to working with him. Yes to the gig in the vineyard. Walking in the prepared good works. In other words, the works that he has prepared for you in advance to do. This is an incredible thing. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time on just talking about how our choices kind of intersect and works along with the will of God, His decisions. Because as a church here, we believe in the sovereignty of God. In other words, God gets what He wants. He, he reigns and rules over everything. And you might think, well, if that's the case, what's the point of me saying yes or no? He's just going to make it happen. But this is the mystery of God, that He's led us into His ways. He's led us into how He works. Actually, God works his will out through the will of his creatures, you and me. He has chosen that he would accomplish what he wants to accomplish through your obedient and even your disobedient choices. He will even take your rebellious actions and he will use it to accomplish his will. And that's an amazing thing. And yes, we can unpack and entangle this mystery, but friends, because you and I lack omniscience and we are not God, we're going to hit the ceiling when we're trying to understand this totally. We just know that God has revealed enough of his character for us in Scripture that we know he is good. And in the end, when we see everything the way we can't see it right now, with unveiled faces in a sense, it will all be just and fair, I promise you. <laughs> I trust the Lord. But right now, his sovereign will is worked out by your autonomous will. 
He has chosen to accomplish his purposes through the choices you make, through your yeses and your noes. But the invitation is to say yes. Over New Year's Eve, we were in Washington, D.C., and we were watching New York City's end-of-year thing on TV, and we watched the ball drop. Okay, I actually don't even remember the ball dropping. I just remember counting down and, you know, singing or shouting or whatever. But I believe a ball did drop. Anyway, the point I was trying to make, or I'm trying to make, is that on the TV, there were so many, and it was just a sea of people in New York City with these stupid, silly Planet Fitness hats on. Do you, do, you, do you, I mean, I don't know if you watched it. I just thought about that. That's an interesting thing. Why? Well, it's because the number one New Year's resolution, I think, is to go back to the gym, right? And so Planet Fitness, you know, wanted to capitalize on this New Year's Eve phenomenon <laughs> where everybody's got this one thing on their list. But we all know what reality versus New Year's Eve looks like, eh? For many people, the hat on their head is just the I go, sir, moment, and then actually never end up seeing it through. Or certainly not to the extent that they hoped they would for that whole year. And we've heard it throughout our whole service today. I'm sure there's a list that you have also of things you would like to do. Maybe it's a carryover. It's like carryover minutes sometimes, you know, or carryover whatever um, credits you may have. You, you have a carryover New Year's resolution, or something that you couldn't do in 2022 and you thought you'd just put it on 2023's list. But the question as we were challenged, I mean, I didn't even speak to uh, Justin at all. The question is, is God on that list or is it rather God's list for you? Not your list for you. Is it God's list for you? Because actually there's an invitation and an opportunity for us to change our minds. Like as we've sung here about his worthiness, there's an opportunity for us to change our minds, to rearrange our priorities. The grace of God is, with, is, is here for us. And I love that, that actually the grace of God uh, is not a once a year thing. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. He's always offering us opportunities to say yes when we may have said no or may have said maybe. We have certainly seen more than the Pharisees saw at that stage. You know, they saw the results of John's preaching, the very unlikely rebellious people saying yes and obeying the Lord. But you and I know that Christ lived our life. Christ died. He rose. He ascended into heaven. He turned the world upside down through pouring out his spirit on his followers. We have seen these very things. And if you have said yes to Jesus, well, then God is your father and he is inviting you to work in his vineyard. And so my last kind of question out to us as a church today is, will you walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand for you in Christ Jesus? In other words, he's not going to make it up on the spot. He has a plan for you. You just need to get on your knees and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? He's not sticking his hand into a bowl and pulling out a piece of paper and going, oh, he has a plan for you. We read one, Psalm 139 said, before one of your days came to be, it was written down in his book. So why wing life? Why run around, you know, wondering what you should do and shouldn't do? The master planner, the master builder, the designer it has got it all there for you. And it, it is the best plan for your life. Better than you could ever plan it yourself. So will you be faithful in following Jesus as his disciple this year? 
Will you feed on God's word every day? Will you have prayer as your default setting? Will you show up tomorrow night as we pray corporately together? Will you prioritize his eternal kingdom purposes over the temporary earthly concerns that you might be overwhelmed by today or last year? Will you be sacrificial in serving others, both here and out there in your neighborhood and your work environment? Will you be generous with your time, with your money, with your home, your possessions? Will you be courageous in showing your faith and not keeping it to yourself? In Luke chapter 5, Jesus saw the faith of the friends when they lowered the paralyzed man through the, the ceiling. So it wasn't only Jesus that saw their faith. There were, there were people all around there who could see their faith. And so it's not just between you and the Lord. It actually is something that others should see too. Will you be courageous? Will you talk about your faith in Jesus? Will you share the gospel? Will you talk about your yeses in your life? Why you said yes to the Lord? Why you said no to other things? Will you shine your light and not hide it and surrender to his will and not, surrender, and not uh, succumb to your, your will? What will the remaining number of days you have left be characterized by? I know my desire is I want my life to be yes to Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus, it does mean we have to say no to other things. We have to say no to Satan. We have to say no to sin. We have to say no to self in order to say yes to Jesus. Will you do that? We're going to take communion together as the final thing we do. And we can also, we're also going to pray with one another. And as we take communion, I want you to remember the ultimate yes that was ever said. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. He prayed in agony and sorrow in that moment, knowing that the cross was ahead of him. And it's not just a painful physical death on the cross. He knew that the sin of the world would be upon him. And he knew that his relationship with his father would be implicated by it. And he, in that moment, said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So when we come now to what this symbolizes, this symbolizes the ultimate yes that was ever spoken in obedience to the Father when Jesus said, your will, your way, not mine. You know, Jesus' days on earth, roughly 12,100, you know, give or take a couple of hundred, I'm sure, 33 years old. And he gave it all in submission to the Father for you and me. And so let's worship Jesus around the table now. And we worship Jesus for his obedience. And we are not just inspired by his obedience. This is not a TED talk, okay? Oh, I'm so inspired by it. Actually, the Bible says that the presence of God is here as we take communion. In other words, the Spirit of God here is here not just to inspire you, but to empower you to say yes to the Father the way Jesus said yes to the Father. As you eat of the ultimate yes meal, <laughs> you are empowered to say yes to the Lord. And then when we're done, I'd love for us just to, just to pray. You can go back to your seats and you can pray with and for the people that are sort of in your immediate vicinity. And just pray that this would be a year, it would be a yes year. A year where we lay our wills aside and we do the Lord's bidding. 
that corporately we as a church do what God wants us to do as a church because we are made up of individuals who said yes to the Lord in your own life. And we come together and we say yes to the Lord as a church. Can we do that? We break bread together and then we pray for one another. We've got a good 15 minutes left so we can do this. We don't have to rush this moment. So why don't you stand? I'll, um, I'll close us in prayer and then, uh, you know, row by row or all at once. This doesn't have to be an ordered moment. We can gather around the table and break bread and then go back and pray. So Lord, we thank you that you have given us this day. Your word says, today is the day of salvation. And if there's anybody here today who have not said yes to Jesus before, uh, they, they, they're actually not able to say yes to your assignment because they need you to empower them to follow you fully. So may today be the day of salvation for those that are far from you, but, but are drawn near and closer by your grace. May they step into this relationship by faith right now, accepting what you're offering them. Yes to Jesus on this day. And then every single one of us, Lord, we don't know how many days are ahead of us. We do know that you determine. You determine the end. And we just want to be faithful with what's left. Help us not to be so concerned about how many are left that we actually end up being um, paralyzed by fear and Help us to, to, to look at today, what you've given us, the gift of today, and to obey you in, this, in, in, in simple ways, to say yes to you, to, to listen to your voice, to ask you, what do you want from us? What do you want us to say? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? We want to live our lives in dependency upon you, that dependent upon you, to that extent, Lord. Will you empower us to do that? As we come around the table now, we remember that you, Jesus, said yes to the will of the Father, which is to lay your life down, to have your body given, to have your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could stand here today and actually in relationship with you, co-labor with you, do the things with you that you want us to do. You opened that way for us on the cross. So we, we gather around this table, worshipful full tonight. And we ask your Holy Spirit to empower us to say yes. As we pray for one another afterwards, come Holy Spirit. Pray and speak through us, but mostly fall upon us. Empower us to live sold out for you. In Jesus' name, amen.